Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Dear Lord, thank you for wealth in the midst of poverty, for your wealth and for your peace in the midst of chaos and that you choose us today and forever to be in your presence no matter what our circumstances. And I just pray for focus today on what you want us to hear and what you want us to learn. And I pray that all the distractions melt away and we just see and hear you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. Well, this is not the smallest number of humans that I've ever spoken to in one room before, but it is a small group, basically just here to run sound and look at stuff. It's an interesting time, but I believe that the Lord has prepared us to be able to not only weather a storm, but to thrive in it. Being a child of God, what if I told you, okay? What if I told you that the best thing about being God's child isn't that your sins are forgiven, it's not that you were dead, and now you're alive, and it's not even eternal life. What if I told you that the best thing about being God's child was simply being with him? That what we get from God, the best thing we get is him. Now there's no doubt that God is huge, and he sits enthroned in the heavens, and that at any moment he could call down a legion of angels to wipe us all out, that's true, he's big, and yet he is our father. Our true joy is being with him for all eternity, which starts here and now during our time on earth. Now, I have to tell you a story, okay? I want to warn you. Some of you will feel a little uncomfortable with this story, truly. I did. You will see that. But I had a youth leader when I was growing up uh, named Toby. Now, Toby was a cool guy. I thought he was fun. I enjoyed spending some time with him. Uh, a nice guy, right? He gave his life to Jesus a couple of years previous to me meeting him, but he exhibited something that was really interesting. He exhibited a closeness to God that I hadn't seen before. So for me, it was kind of different, right? I was learning about God, and I was learning about this person, and that he's the truth, and all this stuff. But Toby exhibited something that I hadn't seen. He exhibited intimacy with God. Now, Toby before Jesus was really different than Toby after meeting Jesus. I had a story, I heard a story about pre-salvation Toby uh, sitting at a stoplight with a friend of his, and literally reaching over, punching his friend in the face just to see what his friend would do. That was Toby before Jesus. After meeting Jesus, Toby was just the gentle, kind, incredibly, oddly happy person, okay? In fact, I would see Toby, and every once in a while, I would ask him, Toby, how you doing, man? And he would look at me as authentically and genuinely as possible, and he'd look at me, and he'd say, oh, man, big old smile on his face. Oh, man, I am so good. Thank you so much for asking, I get to be with Jesus every day. And I thought he was nuts. I thought he was on drugs for sure, no doubt. Like this dude is on drugs. No one is that happy. Even at that point, I didn't even realize you could be happy in the Lord, but nobody's that happy. Not even the other people around Toby, not even the ones who were the teachers and pastors of the church were as happy as Toby. What's this guy on? To make this even more crazy, one night at a youth retreat, we were kind of sitting around and it was like a, I don't know, maybe it was a, a talent show or 
I don't know, some sort of skits or something like that. Something was going on and we were all kind of gathered in one room. And Toby walks over to the corner and he turns the light switch off to one of the lights and then dims the dimmer on the other one. And at this point, we're already feeling uncomfortable because you just don't do that at youth camp, right? No purpling. You guys know what I'm talking about. But Toby then proceeded to go to the CD player sitting up above the fireplace and press play. And on this CD player is this slow worship song. And Toby begins to sway. Now all of us, about 15 of us, are sitting in this living room. And Toby, listening to this song, begins to sway. And then, as if he's imagining it, he leans his head onto Jesus. And he only told us later on what he was doing. None of us knew what was happening. It's a worship song. And a guy swaying, okay, Toby, I didn't tell you this before. Toby was built, okay? Think Eric Fisher. So Toby is a big guy. And Toby, in all his muscles, swaying. And then he lays his head, and he's doing this. And about 15 high school students are mortified. We're all wondering what the heck is happening right now. This is the weirdest moment of my life and anyone else's life. And about the first minute of the song, it worked. We were all praying for it to stop. Like, we wanted it done. It was done, and it was like, gosh, this is so uncomfortable. How could this guy think about the God of the universe as if he's sitting here slow dancing in a living room at a retreat with him? No. It was too weird. And then I started to think. And in that moment, I thought about David. I thought about David stripping down and walking through the streets, worshiping God, singing undignified. It didn't make sense. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. And if any of you do anything of that sort, I will feel that here and now. But this room, Toby, I was 16, really uncomfortable. But I started to get it. See, I had never experienced that kind of closeness. And Toby was letting us in on something. He was bringing us into the world that he lived in with the Lord. There was this closeness. There was this intimacy. And the God of the universe in that moment was Toby's father. And all of that weirdness and uncomfortable gave way to this sense of the moment. That we were watching a human being experience relationship with God. Now, about the third minute of the song, people were crying. There's prayer. And Toby's not stopping right? He's still got his head tilted over, and he's still swaying back and forth. One of the kids in that moment, I I don't remember who, I don't remember his name, but he goes off, and he grabs one of the leaders, and he's just like, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want that, because nobody's ever loved me the way that Toby and God are experiencing love together. Now, when the song ended, and we're kind of in this moment, everybody's stunned, And if you've ever been to a youth retreat or a retreat in general, that late night time is not the like deep, heavy time usually. Sometimes it is. I've never been to women's retreat. Have no idea. But I will say this. It typically is more of kind of that fun, play games, hang out, even if you're doing like skits or something like that. We were silent. And Toby walks over to the front door and he screams after opening it, I love you, Jesus! It was midnight. And all of us were like, gosh, does this guy not get it? Does this guy not understand? And it wasn't that Toby wanted to be rude to the neighbors. It was that Toby, in that moment, exemplified something that my very, very young heart with the Lord needed to know. I needed to know that I could be with God. 
I needed to know that God wasn't just this distant, cold-hearted, strong man that I had to appease in my life. I needed to know that I could have intimacy and affection with him. Because for me, I could appease someone else, right? I'd spent most of my life worried about what other people thought of me. I could just clump God into that. I want to worry about what God thinks of me. But instead, what I had was all of a sudden initiated into the Lord who accepts, the Lord who loves, the Lord who draws in, the Lord who is our treasure and joy. Now, some of us, we came to Jesus in different forms, right? We came to Jesus because we wanted salvation. We came to Jesus because we wanted something, right? Purpose, purpose. I hear that all the time. Or you know what? I I realized that God was true and that's why I wanted him. And you came to know the Lord and you said, gosh, God is truth. God is purpose. God is life. Ah, but God is who we want. And when we think about it that way, when we think about making God the treasure of the whole thing, I don't know what we gave up to follow God. But if you gave up something only for eternal life, gosh, you're missing it. You're missing it. Because what you give up, the Lord isn't trying to keep you from good things. He's not trying to keep you from joy. He's not trying to keep you from treasure. He's trying to bring you to a treasure that matters and actually fulfills. Like really inside deep love, right? Now, if you thought about Toby, if you're uncomfortable with that picture of Toby dancing in the living room with Jesus, gosh, most of us probably wouldn't be uncomfortable if he was dancing with his future wife, right? Why? Because we love the idea of love but we have such a hard time pinning intimacy with the God who created the universe, who is strong, who makes commands, who can call down angels, but at the same time, he's the God who will hold us like a little child. He loves so deeply to be with us. Matthew 13, 44 to 46 says this, and this is kind of our response when we treasure God, when we realize the intimacy with him, being with him, when we see that as our treasure, we begin to do things like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he sells, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, it isn't that God is saying, give up, deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself so you will live a somber, sad existence. No, God says, deny yourself because then you make room for me, the greatest joy of your life. And the truth is that we as people were made to be with God and enjoy his companionship. Our relationship with God is not a cold-hearted appeasement of an easily angered strongman. It's a gushing satisfaction with a good father. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now God knows this about us, that where we find pleasure is what we will treasure. Let me repeat that. Where we find pleasure is what we will treasure. Matthew 6, 19 and 21 says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now, I'm willing to bet that in that passage, you've read that before, but you didn't think of it as God being the treasure. You thought of it as the things God gives you as the treasure. But I want you to think about it more so as God is the treasure. He's the treasure. When it says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, it says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Colossians 3 says that our life is hidden with him. And yet Jesus is also present. We see it in Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always. So bring it back to yourself for a moment. Think honestly right now about what you treasure. You can go ahead and pause the video if you need to, but think about what you truly treasure. That is where your heart is. Your heart is locked away with what you treasure. Any joy we find that is not enjoyed with God is hollow and will eventually prove a disappointment and cease to be pleasurable. We will mine things that we enjoy over and over and over again until it makes us sick and we no longer find pleasure in it. If God is the most enjoyable thing in the entire universe, it would be unkind of him to simply give us good gifts without giving us himself. Instead, he gives us his companionship, his presence, and then he gives us the things that we get to enjoy with him. This is 1 Timothy 6:17. As for the rich in this present age, the rich, anybody who doesn't have a ton of true need, anybody who has more than what they need, rich, Charge them not to be haughty or prideful, living independently of God, finding pleasure outside of him, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you hear that? God who richly provides us everything to enjoy. See, it's not that God says, go, I'm going to give you all these things and I want you to go play by yourself and I'll sit in the corner and you come back when you're ready. God says, no, come play with me. I want you to enjoy these things with me. Think about it this way. If you find pleasure in food, and that is where you want to feel good, you would find it. You would find that it would take more and more food to make you happy. Your joy in food would not be complete because you would have to stop eating for a little while, or you would overeat, and it would make you sick, which feels awful. I know this. It's not like this with God. You can never exhaust this well. You can never have too much of him. You can never say, oh, no, I'm all full. I don't need any more of God. No, intimacy with God is an unending well of enjoyment. It's not like he ever becomes boring. He has seen every major event in history and in your individual life. On top of this, he will never end. He is not a temporary pleasure. When, when your relationship with God is your treasure, you will seamlessly, this is the beauty of it, when you treasure God here and now, you are living the functional reality of eternal life. Because life with God will be treasuring him forever. If you don't like him, but you like what he gives you, you probably won't like eternal life. Because eternal life is gonna be him, 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 all the time, him. Closeness like you've never had with a spouse or a parent or a friend. It's the closeness that makes you uncomfortable when you see it because it feels like it's not supposed to be seen, but it makes you feel something so deep inside of you that makes sense, that you want it so badly, that intimacy, that's why it makes us uncomfortable when we see it. Now, anything done, whether you're seeking pleasure or anything else, anything done without him is destined to fail you and lead you to fail with it. 
Now I'll say that again. Anything done without him is destined to fail you and lead you to fail with it. You know, I know some of us, especially in a time like right now, I, I know that some people it's business as usual and I know that things haven't changed for some of you and you're kind of just watching this thing happen and it's almost a distant reality that what's happening on earth and what's happening in our city, in our world, some of you have already been hit by this and you're feeling like, man, I don't live in any sort of abundance. I live in lack and I'm struggling and I have needs and I can't pay this or I can't do that or man, I'm so bored or my wife and I can't stop fighting because we haven't had to be in the same room with each other this much in a long time. Like all these details and things that are coming up and you're gonna say to me, Danny, right now on this weird video thing, you're gonna say to me that I should find my joy in God? Well, I'll tell you what I don't feel, it's joy. I feel like I'm at a loss. Being with God, the beauty of it is when he's your treasure, it's never about the circumstance. It's never about the circumstance. You can't find a circumstance that God can't overcome being with you in. Meaning this, when you hear James 1 and it says, take joy, my brothers, when you, find, when you have trials, right? Have you heard this statement before? Take joy when you have trials. And then it gives this readout, right? Because the building of your faith and perseverance and, and perseverance hope and it builds. How do you take joy in anything that's bad or sad or suffering? Think about this. The Apostle Paul in Philippians, right? We're going to go there in a second. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul is expressing all these awful things that are happening. Now, the Apostle Paul's in prison. The Apostle Paul is being mocked and taunted by false teachers. The Apostle Paul is struggling with money. He doesn't have necessarily all that he needs, but what he does have, he has Jesus. He has his joy. His treasure can't be taken away, no matter what someone does. Because even if they kill you, you're just closer to him. That's the beauty of making God your treasure. That's why when he gives the command in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now when you think about what the Apostle Paul is experiencing, and he gives this command, he's just saying all the time, I want the Lord in any circumstance, good or bad. Now maybe, maybe you're one of the few people who right now, all of a sudden you're making more money and you're experiencing more abundance and all of a sudden your life has taken off in a weird way. Whatever it is, maybe it's a positive circumstance. Philippians 3, 7 to 11, Paul says this, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered a loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Do you wanna know why he wants the resurrection of the dead? He wants to be with God. Over and over and over again, Paul expresses that in all good times and in all bad times, when God is your treasure, it is secure. Hear that word, secure. When God is your treasure, your treasure will never fail because God does not fail. The problem is, is that we settle, okay? It isn't that we don't find other pleasures in the world, they're just lesser. Without him, they are lesser pleasures. So people are constantly hunting for joy. We're hunting for pleasure. We're trying to find something to enjoy. And all the while, we're finding all these little things around us. Maybe it's a good thing, right? Maybe you found in a spouse 
and you enjoy being intimate with your spouse and you found that, but that, that person will fail you. It will disappoint you. They will at some point let you down. That pleasure will fail. It's only a half pleasure. Ah, but this is why God uses the language of fullness. Now, I love the way that C.S. Lewis kind of says this when he talks about settling. Uh, this is a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, man, we are half-hearted creatures. He didn't say man, I said man. He said we are half-hearted creatures because he's an excellent writer. I speak like, you know. So fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We settle. We are far too easily pleased. Now for the last few years, I've had the privilege of walking with different men in our church through the Westminster Catechism mostly to spark conversation and help men know what they believe. But I truly believe the first question of the catechism, not because it's in the Westminster Catechism, but because I see it all over the scriptures. It goes like this. What is the chief end of man? That's the question. Now, what they're really asking is, what is the purpose? Okay, what is our ultimate goal? What is man's ultimate goal? My guess is, is that you're gonna get the first part. But I don't know that all of us understand the second. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God. Yep, you're there with me, right? Glorify God. That's the chief end. That's the purpose. And enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, a prominent pastor has summed it up even better than that and added something significant to it. This is John Piper. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Can you imagine? If we so enjoyed God, that the rest of the world knew us more as the happiest, blessed people on earth. Not because of the circumstances. Not because we falsely believed that God was gonna make us rich or falsely believed that God was gonna make all the trials go away. No, in fact, the opposite. In this life, you will have trouble. But God is never gone. He is never gone. Can you imagine what it would be like to stop settling for lesser pleasures in life and make companionship with God your treasure? And when you are in the midst of trial, you finally realize how to have joy in it. Because once you are in Christ and you treasure him as the source of your joy, your treasure was safe in any and all circumstances. Now, I think back to Toby. I think about how uncomfortable I felt in the room watching someone be intimate with God. And it showed me something. I knew the things of God. I knew the truths of God to a point where I could recite them enough to maybe be saved. I knew a lot, but I didn't know him. I didn't know what it was like for me to sit on the back porch, have a cup of coffee, and begin singing songs. I didn't know at that time that I would be in a work truck at 9 p.m. at night after a day when I was exhausted, and a random song comes on the playlist, and I start to sing, and I just cry because I just wanted to be with him. And that day I'd been so distracted that I couldn't, I wasn't. Guys, I want him. I want him. I want to be with him because I have never in my life experienced love and joy like I've experienced with him. I'm not better. I'm not good even in and of myself. I don't deserve to be with the God who breathes stars. But he says, come, I know your name. I love you. I want to be with you. And that knowledge of God that is deeper than any human relationship, that knowing of him is sustaining. It's sustaining. 
and satisfying and deep. And you don't know that your heart needs it until you taste it, until you've been there. And I, I don't want to condemn anyone. If you don't feel that, it's not about that. Gosh, where is your treasure? Where is it? Is it in money? It seems so dumb, but is it? Are you struggling right now today as you listen to this because money is evaporating and so it feels like your whole world is? <laughs> money is evaporating. It's not an eternal construct, but your relationship with the Lord today, here and now will seamlessly transition to heaven if you are his child. It will not feel foreign when you get to heaven. In fact, that is what Paul says when he says in Philippians 3 that you are a citizen of heaven. It's not that you have a card that says you get in. It's that you are a foreigner to the pleasures here and now and the pleasures of heaven being with him are what is common to you. This is what it means to be with God. You make him your treasure. You don't let any of the other treasures trump or get in the way of him. You, in fact, allow him into the rest of them. And I'll tell you what, you'll find out really fast if the things that you enjoy doing are things that you shouldn't have been doing. Because if you try to bring him into those things with you and you find that you feel guilty, you either leave God or you leave it. That's it, pure, simple, done. If you find pleasure in things that you know are not with him, guess what? You gotta leave God to enjoy that or you gotta leave that to enjoy God. I'm not telling you to do anything specific. Now, sin is sin, but that's not what this is about. This is about where you find your joy. This is about where you mine for pleasure. Where do you search and hunt and seek? Because right now you're probably seeking to entertain yourself. You're probably seeking to find some way to not be bored. Boredom isn't because we're not busy. Boredom is because what we're busy with isn't satisfying. Have you thought about that? Are you bored and busy? Does that make sense? No, your heart was meant for deep, intimate, intense, incredible, sufficient, peaceful, calming, loving, relaxing, restful intimacy with God. And when, if any time you experience that, it'll all feel like blah, if it's not with him. I wanna finish by reading scripture. I want it just to wash over us. As I read these scriptures, I want you to just sit and soak. I want you to allow scripture to wash over the hardened parts of us, okay? We were made to find pleasure in God. We were meant to be soft with him, to be vulnerable with him at an intimate level, to be willing to worship him even if it's a bit undignified and you have to learn not to care so much about what others might think. Like Toby, maybe you need to imagine yourself laying your head on Jesus' shoulder and just plain being close. Maybe, maybe that picture for you is not quite what you're ready for. Maybe it's just too weird. But I'm telling you right now, when you find intimacy with God, it's gonna feel different than the intimacy you felt in the world. And you're not gonna wanna go back. And weird is no longer what it used to be. Weird is that place where you live with God. Because if you wanna live this way, you will be different from the people around you and you will interact with the world differently. Let me read these passages. This is Psalm 34, eight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. John 15, nine, the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
abide in my love. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8, though you not, have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Psalm 4, 7. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Abound. And finally, this passage, let this be where you sit this week if you want to. In Psalm 16, Psalm 16 says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. But the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For he will not abandon me and my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me pray. Father, I, I want to confess to you that I feel like I've wandered so far away from finding my joy in you. Gosh, I, I can't believe I get to talk to you like that. But this is who you are as my Father. You envelop me. You surround me, you fill me, you sustain me, you satisfy me, you provide for me, you take care of me. When I need you, you are there. When for some reason I don't think I need you and I try to do something on my own, you're there. God, I don't deserve the kind of care that you have for me. And I don't deserve to be loved the way that you love me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that in my feebleness and in my smallness and in my sin, I can't love you back, how strong you love me. But I think that's the beauty. I think you just, you just want me and I want to want you. God, my mind thinks of Psalm 119, keep my eyes from worthless things. Let my treasure be you. I love you. I love you. And I want to be with you forever. Thank you for making a way for that to happen for my joy to be complete. I pray that you have more time on your hands this week to simply seek him. I pray that you, you find your greatest contentment in him. I pray that he is not a bystander to what you're experiencing right now for you. And I pray that you don't worship the gifts he gives you, but you come to him, that you confess, you fall before God, that you do something weird if you are hardened to him, that you do something weird and you are soft. I pray that you are soft and vulnerable with the God who not only breathes out stars, but he raises the dead and he takes prostitutes and he raises them up and he takes poor people and he raises them up and he takes people who think they're dumb, people who think they're not, people who think they're just plain awkward anyway and he raises them up I pray that distractions 
would not what gets you by in this season. I pray that what gets you by in this season is this uncommon, deep closeness with the creator of the universe and the creator of your heart who knows you and loves you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.